when you talk about cell phone, that's almost like that's an option. <laughs> I mean, there are people, but what you're, I understand. Is what that you're an saying. option for you in your life, Harry? What I'm talking about is, is a, is a, I'm special. So of course, <laughs> of right. course, I, I, have, of I course. have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the kids in this neighborhood has chores. You're gonna get in trouble, Murta. Hey, mom, we get some meatloaf. He started it, mom. Mom! What? Shut up! What is the matter with you? I know it's a school night, so we're just gonna get right down to it. Good afternoon. Well, this is Harry Harrison, Harry H. Harrison Jr. to be specific if you're looking for my books. And I wanna welcome you to another exciting episode of Fearless Parenting. And today we have a, a really terrific guest, Ms. Lee Richardson of um, Brain Performance Center. She is, uh, the topic's gonna be about teenage cell phone addiction. And this is something that I've talked about and written about, and now we actually have an expert in the house to talk about it. So, um, Lee, welcome. Thank you. Also with us is is our trusty, godless, <laughs> childless... Producer. M- marriageless, brideless... Brideless. Zach. Zach. Hi, Harry. Hi, Zach. Good seeing you. Can we call him homeless? He doesn't. I don't think he has a home. I, hey, I have a home. Come on now. It it's, just keeps growing. It's an apartment, I, right? To be fair, I am always here. The, indign- the indignities just keep growing. It just gets sadder and sadder. <laughs> but, be nothing left to me. But that. we could not do this show without Zach. So no, thank you, Harry. It's, a, it's, a, it's an imperative. Okay. Okay. So, teenage cell phone addiction. I've I've actually spoken this week a couple of times to radio stations about um, um, some of the challenges that teenagers participate in with their smartphone, um, like the blue whale challenge where where kids will enlist to do anything a quote controller tells them to do, uh, including killing themselves, if that's uh, the, the, the final edict, uh, or the... the, the green pepper challenge where you eat all the peppers you can the whole point is to record it and uh share it and get friends uh but what we're talking about today i my belief is that is that the um the smartphone should not be put in the hands of anybody under 15 i agree with that i think that there's a responsibility that comes with owning a smartphone and a lot of times it's given as a necessity you know, you got to have a phone. I'm a single mom. I'm not a single mom. But if I were, and I need a way to get in touch with you, and I need a backup contact system, I need that phone. You know, that those phones have become a lifeline. You can turn your homework in over your cell phone. You can check and see what your grades are over your cell phone. They're incredibly versatile tools. They are. Yeah. They're, and, they're miracles. That's true. But, and, and there was an article about three weeks ago about how screen time for kids has, um, it's now like four to five hours a day. Mm-hmm. And they're calling anything, like a, a phone or an iPad yeah. or a computer, a screen. But how it's replaced television for a lot of parents is a way to babysit. So I have a, a, a four-year-old grandson and he knows the ins and outs of the iPad and, and cell phone. It's extraordinary. Well, you know, it's probably the best babysitter around because picking that up, that iPad or that cell phone, manipulating and seeing what you want to see, that produces pleasure. That's sure. a pleasurable activity. That pleasure 
the brain works off the pleasure principle. Doesn't matter what it is. Maybe for you, it's a glass of wine at the end of the day, or for for some lady over there, it's shopping or, or gambling. All of that produces pleasure in the brain, just like a cell phone does for you know a teenager. You post something. Oh, did anybody like my? You know, how many likes did I get? Sure. On an average, teens respond. 78% of the time immediately to a text that they get. Okay. So somebody sends them a text or requesting a like or, or, mm-hmm. or requests, look at this, and, and 78% of kids will They do will it. respond immediately. On the wow. average, you know the average person will check their cell phone uh, like 110 times a day. Someone that's addicted will check that phone 900 times a day. Just to be clear, 110 times a day is not an addiction. No. <laughs> You're safe, Harry. Don't worry. It's all good. That's, okay. that's a Tuesday. Right. right. But that sounds alarming just when you say it out loud like that 101 times and then 900 times. That's incredible. It is incredible. But that's think, most of the day. Right. Think about the teenage brain. You know, the brain's not fully developed until you're And I've always referred to the teenage brain as a piece of cabbage that you can't argue with it. You can't rat, You can't make logic with it you can't rationalize with it you can just experience it and that you do yeah. no <laughs> i can get it up that Why you not? do but that brain's not fully developed until you're in your late 20s you know mid to late 20s so as a teenager the prefrontal cortex that's a part of the brain where impulsivity comes from that's hardly developed so it, you're so vulnerable in those teenage years oh my gosh i've got to have that i've got to check that i haven't sure. checked it enough Social media, I think, is a whole whole other realm to get into. And, of course, a smartphone is a portal to that. I think the advantage of social media on a smartphone is the idea that you can produce content and just throw it into the void and that it'll matter, that somebody out there will see it and go, oh, that's cool, and you're cool for it. It's social, what do you call it? So yeah. you, get the, you get the, ooh, willies when somebody likes of course. Like something yeah. you posted. I mean, yeah. it's not about talking. Talking didn't really have much to do with the way teenagers use their cell phone. Right. It's about the texting, the immediacy. Oh, I got that right back. Right. So let's let's back it up a little bit. So before they're teenagers, they're they're kids. <laughs> they're adolescents. They're adolescents, and then how in in in, in your experience, how y- how young are kids that that parents are giving cell phones and iPads to? Well, my experience is this. Parents will come into my clinic, and they'll maybe they'll come for a consultation about an older child. In order to talk, they'll give the 4-year-old their phone. That 4-year-old can whip it out, turn it on, go amazing places. You know, maybe they're watching a movie for a little while, then they'll flip over and they'll go to YouTube. And I'm like, wow, how'd you do that? You know, that... At a very early age, and it starts before the cell phone. I think it starts with the iPad. Hey, I want you to learn your alphabet. I want you to learn your numbers. There's this great game you can play on the iPad. So just so our listeners understand your background, the Brain Performance Center deals with, um, deals with and helps kids with ADD, ADHD. Anxiety, uh, depression, OCD, and a lot of addiction addiction stems from OCD. Okay, so you see this every day. I do. Addiction and um, alcohol addiction or whatever. Well, you know, that's really the old addiction. It was the alcohol and the drugs. The new addiction is the pleasurable activities, mm. whether it's gambling, shopping, online, every, you know, cell phone addiction, iPad. 
But all of that produces pleasure. And man, the, the brain perceives pleasure all the same way. It gives you a boom, this big hit of dopamine, this neurotransmitter, and it feels good. So, so okay, so you see this every day. Um, what do you think it is about going back to kids? What what draws them into the cell phone or the iPad? Well, first off, why would parents give a four-year-old an iPad? I think that's a real good question. But a lot of times it's out of necessity. Like in my office, the parent really wants to be able to focus and ask good questions and learn how we can help the seven-year-old. So it's a necessity. And it's an alternative instead of dropping the kid off at a babysitter. Uh, I think a lot of parents depend on it kind of as a resource. And I think when used in the right way, it is a resource. It's just where do you pat, you go over that fine line where I really like this. I need this. I want this. Well, it's a it's a convenience. It's the get rich quick scheme of parenting. You don't <laughs> you don't have to drive them to a babysitter. Just hand right, them this. Hand them yeah, phone. like it's way easier. So where? So okay, the motives are good, and I, I need I need my child to be quiet for a while. Um, where? And I want my child to learn their alphabet. Oh, I mean, sure, sure. Yeah. sure. I, want I can download an app and teach them the alphabet or teach them Spanish mm-hmm. or on this phone on this ipad that makes everything colorful and fun and doesn't cost you anything right right so where does it start becoming a problem at what age and, and how what are the actions that turn it into a, well i don't think there's problem? any special age that it becomes a problem but there's some warning signs that you can look for when you try to take that phone away from that child and they have a total meltdown that's a problem you're taking away the drug yeah, you are. When they almost, that's a good point. They almost go into a drug-like withdrawal. Oh, my gosh. I, I, they just, they have a total meltdown. Right. You know, when they are sleep-deprived, when they're staying up all night long on their cell phone, and 61% of students report that being on their cell phone, being sleep-deprived, impacts their ability to perform at school. That's a problem. You know, sometimes we're so busy on our phone that we can't take time to stop and eat or what we eat we just grab what's fast and easy to eat so you may see weight changes weight may go up may go down Um, there's different changes in behavior changes in the way they operate when you're seeing that that's something to be concerned about and when you take away a phone and if you notice a child gets very anxious or they socially isolate because they don't have their phone that's who they are that's their sense of identity right children's brains are, are minds for molding they're smaller versions of ours, and they're very much simpler, but a lot of functions, I think, are the same, except we've grown up to understand these things. It's funny, I, not that long ago, I ended up at the Apple store, and I had to take in my iPhone to get something fixed, and so they took my iPhone, and they were like, you're just going to hang out here for a couple minutes, like, it'll be cool. So, all right, cool. Takes my iPhone, goes in the back. I reach for my pocket to reach for my phone, and I was like, oh, I didn't have it, and then just kind of stood there awkwardly, because I didn't know what to do. Yeah, I was like, what do I do now? Do I just stand here and wait, or do I go find something So let me to... ask you a question. Yeah. Where is your iPhone when you're sleeping? Uh, on the nightstand next to me. Is that a good place for it? Probably not. No? No. Oh, yeah. gosh, yeah, the other night I had a migraine, and it's like, don't look at your phone, you have a migraine. But I was bored and couldn't sleep, so I looked at my phone. And that's one of the first recommendations I make, is do not leave that phone in the room. It's smart. of of teenagers text and tweet while they're in bed. Yeah. And if you don't, and it's so hard if it's just sitting right there looking at you. It's true. So you're talking about parental behavior, which is kind of what we're focused on the show, Mm -hmm. is uh, the ramifications of 
being a good parent or or letting that responsibility go and hand it to a phone? Well, you know, I think that um, role model behavior is one of the hardest things to do with a cell phone. You know, I work with a lot of families that say, we cannot sit down at dinner. Everybody is on their phone. So put a basket on the kitchen counter and ask everybody to put their phone in the basket until you, you have dinner, you do your homework, then you have 30 minutes of cell phone before you go to bed. But a central, one of my recommendations is a central charging station. You know, you want to see somebody that's addicted, take away that battery charger. Ooh, that's a good one. In fact, I I definitely have one of these uh, portable power packs. I like that. Just to keep me going (laughs) on the the street. Yeah, if I'm running out of juice and I'm jonesing for a little extra something. And you can justify that because you need that for work. Hey, I'm a professional. Absolutely. Listen, I would not be able to make it by. Talking on the phone is my business. Yeah, we we make podcasts. This is my whole life is 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 that screen. (laughs) You know what's so interestingly is that is that you could the, the the withdrawal symptoms you're talking about you could take the word phone out of it you can put in cocaine you could put in but you could put in shopping you could put in you sex. could put in anything well it's anything. like you said earlier addiction is fueled by pleasure it's by dopamine that's every addiction it's alcohol drugs smartphones it's, it's kind of the same in addiction a way. is a chronic brain disease it's not just about well say no get some willpower right. Addiction changes the brain structure and how the brain functions. It is a chronic brain disease. You know, what's weird is that alcoholism, drug addiction, um, the, the typical thing to associate with addiction, you're kind of born with a, with a real addiction for well, that. You make an excellent point. Brain waves are just as genetic as the color of eyes you have or what size shoe you wear. So, and they've got a lot of research around alcohol that supports genetically. You may, you, you'll, you've got it in your genetics, but that applies to everything. But when you talk about cell phone, that's almost like, that's an option. <laughs> I mean, there are people, but what you're, I understand Is what that you're an saying. option for you in your life, Harry? What I'm talking about is, is a, is a. I'm special, so of course, of <laughs> right. course, I, I, have, of I course. have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm talking about it, some people; they taste alcohol. It's in their family. Mm-hmm. They're they're over, gone. One and done. They're gone. Same thing with, with a drug. If it, drug addictions to their family, one and done. But the cell phone is so interesting because it's like okay, you have a addiction for addiction, and if there's not alcohol around and there's not cocaine around. Okay, the well, let's, substitute. let's stop and think about this. We know that when the brain gets pleasure, it releases dopamine. Okay. Dopamine impacts how you learn and your memory. And those are two key elements of the transition from liking something to must having something. So it's a process. That's a chemical. But it's not just about, you know, what's in the alcohol. It's about what's going on in the brain. So whether it's alcohol or a cell phone or sex, or gambling, the same thing occurs in the brain. The brain has the pleasure principle. Right. There can be physical withdrawal symptoms to something like a physical substance you're intaking, but the reason we like those things, it's because of how our brain reacts to that substance. The way our brain perceives alcohol and we feel it is why we like the feeling of it, the buzz, as it were. Smartphones are the same thing. You're just not inputting anything physical, but it's still a mental it's function. pleasure. Yeah, it's it's the way your brain perceives that information and processes it. That's what you like. It's you know, what makes that so, keeps you coming back. What makes it so unusual is that if you're a drug addict, 
you don't take the, the drug at, after you've crossed the Rubicon. You don't take the drug to get Hopefully. high. Mm. You take the drug to be normal. Right. Because you, you're going to withdraw. You're stuck. You yeah. shaking. Because you need it. Right. The reward system in your brain says mm. you need that. You need that. You yeah. need that drug to be to act normal. Cell phone. How do you how do you withdraw from a cell phone? I mean, there's Is all there these, a good way to, to, to come down from that high? Well, I think, you know, there was an article that was in the Wall Street Journal that talked about the state, the shareholders were suggesting that Apple step up and put some guidelines in place. And in your home, you need to stra- establish some strategies and what some boundaries are. Yeah. Because you don't have to be addicted. I, lo- I can check my schedule on my phone. I can check my email. I can do everything. I can talk with both of my boys that are ones in Denver, ones in Florida. That's my lifeline. But at, at the end of the day, I plug it in on the charger in the kitchen and I go to bed. And that's just uh, creating some boundaries. And you have to have strategies in place. It's, so, it's interesting ahead. to see how our world has kind of adapted to this. I had a conversation with a friend the other day about the difference between a salaried employee now and a salaried employee 30 years ago. Back then, it was the same kind of deal. You know, you, you were expected to work whenever. A 40-hour work week was standard, but you had a little extra outside of that. But at 5 o'clock, you went home and that was that. Now, at 5 o'clock, your day is not over. If you get an email at 6 o'clock, you should probably answer it. Like, you're still responsible for things. And cell phones keep us tied down um, in maybe not a beneficial way. So, yeah. You know, it, I remember when uh, my kids were growing up and the principal said, you know, because they were playing soccer, they were playing sports, there was a possibility of going to band. And a very wise principal said, well, I always tell parents that that there should be two, no more than two activities a day because homework is an activity. So that's mm-hmm. three. Uh, eating's an activity. That's four. So she said, kids can handle four four activities outside of school. One is one is eating. One is is uh, studying. So that leaves you two. So now it appears cell phone is an activity, mm-hmm. just as much as sports. Just as, instead of going out to soccer practice for two hours kids are popping up on the cell phone and i think maybe sometimes that cell phone usage gets in the way now i don't have time to go to soccer practice i posted three things on social media i got to see who likes it i got to see how you know that's my self-confidence that's that's my self-esteem not going and getting the play of the game so much anymore now not everybody's like like sure sure but there is but it's an issue but it is what what do you tell parents to okay first off what age would you put a smartphone in the hands of a child i would put first off i would probably in my world it would be a teenager you don't you do not get a phone until you're a teenager and then it starts with limited usage you use it when i need you to have that so i'm dropping you off at soccer if you get out early you call me you know, I, you use it based upon what my my needs and wants are. And then you progress. And, and you teach. I think you need to teach that child how to use the phone. This is what it's for. It's like anything. You can have 30 minutes where you do whatever you want on the phone. You can have, and then you, you can do your schoolwork. And then the phone goes up. And we need, the, we need those boundaries. And I think, you know, it's amazing to me. You mentioned how the world is changing sure. with the, the, the job. We know what the latest MBAs are: corporate social responsibility. 
Awesome. There's yeah. something there. Awesome. It, there is something there. So I can see the 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 danger in someone becoming isolated with that phone. And like you said, staying in the bedroom, um, this this has become not only their lifeline, it's 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 become their thing. And uh, um, when you start isolating yourself in, the, in in a room, talk talking to or texting or judging videos of a of another team, I don't know, fifteen hundred miles away. There's not a lot of really true social inter- I'm sorry, social interaction. I think you hit right on it, Harry. The biggest concern that I have with cell phones is you get disconnected. And people that demonstrate they're highly addictive to cell phones and Internet time, they score much higher on depression and anxiety. Why do you think that is? You know, can I throw my hat in the ring on this one? I have a theory. And it's it's, it's kind of a lame theory, but hear me out. Um, I think the Internet... it's it's a series I'm a series of tubes, but the internet is is essentially let's look at something like YouTube. They 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 have hundreds of hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute, every minute more than you could ever possibly watch. It's insane how much goes on YouTube and what rises to the top. What we see are videos that are viral, usually things that are cool, things that are funny, things that are extreme, things that are. Things we don't see every day in our lives. Somebody doing a cool trick on a bike, a stand-up comedian with a really good bit. The brain loves novelty. Right, and we see the best of the best. That's what the internet is. It is a stage where we see the best. So when you look at your own life and you're not doing incredible things like we were constantly exposed to on the internet, it brings you down a little. You're like, well, I'm not as good as any of these people. This person from Kansas with a beautiful singing voice, I could never do that. It's a constant influx of essentially negative information by looking at it in a positive lens. I think that is so true. And I think that when, when you get into to gunning for likes and, and, and oh, sure. shooting for friends, it's, it's inevitable there's going to be comparison. It's just inevitable that, like you were talking about. Yes. Yeah. And static. when you compare, somebody wins and somebody loses. Right. right. So you're, exactly. And now you're, you're at a stage where you're comparing yourself other people you don't know <laughs> that are way away and they have more likes than you right and if that's what you, you know if you live for that buzz but it's so weird it's not just the buzz of, of getting a like now it's important to get the most likes because that means you're the best right sure and we all want to be the best yeah. i do sure but if, if inevitably someone's going to get ten thousand likes and you make it four um if if that's if that's your whole goal in life is to get likes. Mm-hmm. So how connected is that to reality? Let's stop and think about that. You know, if you're living your life through the likes that you get on your phone, how connected are you to your to your life? Those people that are liking you, have you ever met them? Right. <laughs> they know nothing about <laughs> they you. They know nothing about you. Would you, you know them right. if they came in and sat down next to you? Right. And the, the other problem is everybody goes through difficult times. And that's where you need friends. Real friends. <laughs> Real friends friends that talk and that will pat you on sure. the back, Harry. Yeah. Those type of friends. That's where you need friends. But if, you're, if you don't know anybody except through social media, depression ensues. Right. It's, 
it's something that we find in a lot of performers actually you can look at something like robin williams is a fine example of this mm-hmm. like all the world's a stage and we want to impress the people around us that is culture inherently we want to be better than the people we surround ourselves with sometimes people who are even very popular make millions of dollars have thousands of people that look at them and look up to them like they're some of the saddest because like what's it all for at the end of the day where does it get you it's all it's all surface none of it's real none of it actually matters regardless of how you try to convince yourself otherwise. And you were talking about modeling behavior. So many parents, and, I, and I'm going to say moms, so many moms are on that phone all day, on Facebook, snapping, posting, judging. That's what they're teaching their kids. Well, I got to tell you, I was out walking the dog yesterday afternoon. I see a mom. She's on her cell phone just chatting away, walking ahead. One kid, the older kid, is behind her pushing the baby in the carriage. I thought, huh. <laughs> well, what's I'm up take a with that? that and post it. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I didn't think it was picture worthy. Well, but Harry, this is this is an interesting thing about that point of modeling behavior is that when you were raising your kids, you didn't have a cell phone, right? So they weren't watching you grow up with one. I mean, maybe if you were raising children now, it might be a different story because you're you're on your iPad and cell phone a lot. <laughs> um, but you didn't have one, you know, t- so your children didn't see that model behavior. But now your children have children and we grow up in a world of cell phones. And um, so I guess, Lee, you know, is there something that we can do? Because, I mean, the cell phone is a part of life. It's not something that we're going to get rid of. No. Like that's not... You know, that's that's not a realistic option is to just say, well, just get rid of your phone. So what can we do or how can we be more cognizant of modeling our behavior? You know, I have a young boy and he's he sees me use my phone. And so, you know, what strategies or or tips do you have in that respect? You know, I think from a strategy standpoint, you have to determine what's an acceptable level. You have to look how much data do you use? Have an open conversation with your family. Who uses the most data? And how much are you using? And when are you using it? And is it interfering with your sleep? Is it inter- Are you isolating? You won't go to family events because you'd rather sit in your room and play with your phone? You know, use your observation skills. I think to me, and I, and I could give you statistic after statistic, you know, 44% of teens believe they spend too much time on their cell phones. 50% of teens believe they're addicted. 59% of their parents do. 50% believe they're addicted? Uh-huh. And 59% of their parents do. So those stats are pretty powerful. But what's more powerful for me, it's the walking zombies. They're everywhere. They're walking around looking at their phone. Yeah, I definitely had a guy, a total stranger, like hold the elevator for me for an absurd amount of time the other day because I was just walking around looking at my phone, texting. I looked up and saw him. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, sir. <laughs> there's a walking zombie yep, there right go. there in the room. Then me. there's there's the driving zombies, which... One of them has hit me. Those are frightening. <laughs> well, let, yeah. me t- let me tell you this statistic, and this brings tears to my, to my eyes. Mm. 11 teens die every day because they were texting while driving. 11 a day? 11 a day. That is a startling That's, statistic. You know, it it's when we talk about, you mentioned earlier the idea of people talking to Apple and saying maybe there's a way you can kind of curve this. I know in one of their more recent updates, they put in some kind of function where it essentially lock your phone when your car is moving past driving speed. Mm-hmm. Smart. Um, who's going to download that, though? Yeah, I know. Like, who's going to want <laughs> that on? Yeah. Come well, on. If you're, I mean, on, if you're on my family plan, it'll be on there. Definitely. If you're in <laughs> Texas, 
uh, like we are recording this, we have laws now that say you can't use your phone when you drive. People do it anyway, but you shouldn't. So it's, we're trying. I think societally, we're trying to do something to curb this. I just don't know if it's enough. So the, the issue is not, is the cell phone bad or good? It's a, it's, it's a thing. It's a great, a cell phone's yeah. great. It, 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 it's a neutral thing. It can be I think mine's great. Well, I mean, it can be, you can't judge a cell phone on moral values. No. It's just a thing. Uh, and it can be used, it can be used wisely or it can be used terribly. Um, and as parents, and I love what you said about boundaries. And, and I think a parent should make it clear, I own that phone. Mm-hmm. That phone is mine. You're borrowing it. That phone is mine. Yeah. And when you start paying for it, and it's yours. Exactly. That's always exactly. been the line in my house. Yeah, right. That was my dad growing up. Yeah. But if you're I'm dating paying, me. I'm paying for that right. phone. Yeah. That phone is mine. And at any time, I can walk over and pick that phone up out of your hands. I can go back through your text messages. I can see what you're posting on Facebook. I can look at what you're doing on Instagram. Sure. I can see why in the world are you on Snapchat. And if I don't like what I see, that phone goes in the river. Oh, absolutely. I am Prometheus. So I'm giving you fire, but I will take it back. Right. right. This is, yeah. <laughs> I can drown it out. Exactly. Yeah. But, this is a You know, and I thing. think one good rule to have is one day a week, we're tech free. One day a week, we do not touch the phone. Sure. And not just that teenager, everybody in the family. You know, let's leave the phones at home. Let's go do, everybody gets to pick something one week. Okay, you're up. What do you want to do this week? I like that. Even God took a break. All right, yeah. one day out of the <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. So I love that. And I guess you'll be able to tell if, if your daughter starts shaking and trembling, <laughs> throwing up. And That's right. Yeah. Having signs of withdrawal. Withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> or she refuses to go. Mm-hmm. I'm not going. That doesn't sound like fun to me. How many, are we, how are we on time? I was going to say, we only got a couple minutes left, okay. but I'm really enjoying the conversation. How many photos do you think a teen posts every day? That's a really good question. I'd, on average? I bet somebody average. like Google's got those numbers, right? They got I bet it. It's maybe a, a lot. Do you think? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm thinking it's over 100. A day? Yeah. Oh, that can't be. Well, easily. Well, you know, that would be a, if you count a great video. next show. I would show. say it depends on the team. Yeah. 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 I'd say if you count video as frames in film, No, I'm, yeah, I that think would count. It, easy. I, I think. The younger, and I'm including you in this, all 28 years. <laughs> a little bit higher than that, but that, I'll take it. <laughs> 20, that um, they take, they take an extraordinary, extraordinarily number of photos every day and post it. Sure. And that's a way that they they share. This is who I am. This is what I like to do. Right. It's it's an art, it's an artificial yeah. reinforcement. It feels like it matters. Well, <laughs> these things I do matter to somebody. I mean, and it's an argument that it's a it's a, it's an avenue of self expression. The same way that you would maybe paint a painting, you're sharing photos of your life. That's how people are getting to know more about you. But I think the danger in that is it goes right back to what you were talking about comparison. That. Um, I'm going to show myself my best light, my hair made up, everything. I'm going to pick the corner of my room that looks the best. Yeah. But then I'm going to go on social media and see see Lee's photos and see, oh my God, and it just you're just opening the door to to comparison, mm-hmm. to feeling less than, to feeling like you're you're nothing because because someone else has a better has a better picture, a better room, a better car. Sure. And I think to a great extent sometimes. People use social media as a way to uh, feel better, as, as a way to, to 
tell the world I'm better than you are. Well, you can validate yourself on social media. Uh, yes. You know? it's Look at me. Look what I did. Look, I, I did this swim meet. I was the top number one. That's the way you validate who you are and what you do. But, you know, we don't go around talking like that. We post it. We text it. But we don't go around, unless you're me, talk about how great you are. We just don't go. We, we, we say things. We, we text things and type things and post things. We would Without never thinking. We'll That's to, because we don't think about it. We'll need right. to do another episode at some point on the difference between your actual life and your life online. Because exactly, I mean, you just tapped into it. You're like people buying lights and setting themselves up in a corner of the room to look the best and posing a certain way. It's all fake. No, that's real. Right. Yeah, and like right. we try to make it look real. That's a whole other show. It is. We don't have time for that. No. But yeah. The, this, yes. is, this, is, it's been great. this is Zach's way of saying we're out of time. We're out of time. <laughs> Lee, you should come back. Yeah. Like, Thank Lee, you so much for having been me. been awesome. There's so much information we haven't even talked about, but having a brain expert on the show. Okay, so today's episode, curiously enough, is brought to you by one of my favorite books of mine, A Thousand and One Things <laughs> Every Teen Should Know Before They Leave Home um, or else they'll come back. And our uh, uh, the purpose of our show and the purpose of what I do is to help parents raise kids to face the adult world. And obviously, if you're spending four hours a day on your cell phone, you're not ready. <laughs> you know, let me you're just share one last fact with you. A couple of years ago, Baylor University did a study to see how much time college kids, kids were spending on their phone. Females were spending 10 hours a day. Male students were spending eight hours a day. So on the average, nine. When do you study? Yeah, that's a good question. So. Well, we can assume they're reading their textbooks. Definitely. Absolutely. That's, it's that's all on themselves. I would like to choose to believe I that. I would love to choose to believe so, Lee, thank you so much for coming. Zach, thank you so much for your stellar job. Kristen, thanks for jumping in. Thank you. And this show will be posted... Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. It'll be posted Tuesday. So, thank you guys very much. We will talk to you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Parenting is a production of the Real News Communications Network in collaboration with Harry H. Harrison Jr. This episode was recorded and edited by Matt Stoker and myself, Zach Lewis. Production music courtesy of the Audio Jungle Music Library. To find out more about Harry and his work or to purchase one of his books, visit www.fearlessparenting.com.